Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Pam Grout is back to talk about money, love, and energy. The last time Pam was here, we talked about how your thoughts affect your reality, and I'll have a link to that show in the show notes. Pam is the number one New York Times bestselling author and she's authored 17 books and is also a writer for several high-profile publications. Her latest book is E-Cubed, and it's a fun book with nine more energy experiments that prove manifesting magic and miracles is your full-time gig. Pam, hello and welcome back. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So love, money, energy. I think those are important topics. What do you think? Well, hey, it's perfect because it's one day before Valentine's Day, but love is everywhere, and love is really our number one mission on this planet. It's our superpower. It's why we're here. So love is always a good topic. Money is always a good topic because it's often fraught with a lot of baggage and a lot of things that totally aren't true, and people tend to, I don't know, they tend to, a lot of their stuff comes up around money. And then what's the third one you said, relationships? Energy. Just energy. Energy. Okay. Well, I guess we all have relationships with energy, but yeah, energy is, you know, who we are. So they're all three related, actually. So that's, yeah, this will be a fun, fun conversation. So let's talk about love. And um, you said something about how it's, it's the, it's kind of the key of why we're all here. Can you say more about that? Well, you know how people are always taking those career tests and they're trying to figure out what am I meant to do in this world? I mean, I can't tell you how many people say, well, I just don't know what my purpose is. And it's just a constant battle that we're all looking for. What am I supposed to be doing with my days? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And there's really just one word. We're all here to be love, which is who we really are. I mean, that's That is the truth of who we are, and anything that doesn't look that way is some crazy block that we created just to have a good drama going on. So love and the pursuit of love, and see, I think a lot of the problem with the word love, too, is we have it associated. In fact, all three of those words that you mentioned have a lot of stuff associated with them, and love has this idea, you know, something you find in a chick flick or something that happens with one other person or something that's going to be really big tomorrow, you know, on Valentine's Day. So the truth of it is um, love is fraught with a lot of expectations and a lot of baggage, the word itself. But the power itself of love is fabulous. And in fact, Another thing that happens, I think, a lot with love, people think, again, it's this thing that happens between two people or between friends or between family. Love is a superpower, and it is something you can actually do. Like, you can look at a book and love it. You can look at, um, I don't know, an ant crawling across the ground and love it. I mean, that might sound like, well, what good is that going to do? But it changes everything. It literally is a superpower. When you start looking at things, with love, then you'll start understanding love a whole lot more and then everything changes because love is truly, I mean, we just have no idea how powerful of a force love is. And again, when we only try to do it at certain times with certain people, you know, we're not employing this magnificent superpower that we can use literally at every second. 
I I love that. I love the idea of thinking that love is the superpower. And, you know, when in, you know, again, with Valentine's coming tomorrow, right, there's this idea about how love is supposed to be and what does it represent and, you know, what people have to do to prove their love. But what you're saying is that there's, we don't need any of that. No, everybody's always seeking for love. Our only responsibility, or our only, our, I guess you say, our path to great awareness and great joy and happiness is to remove every block that would keep us from knowing that we are love, from knowing that that is really who we are. That is the essence of the universe. That is the essence of everything. And when, you know, like some superpowers, you know, like only Spider-Man can climb up walls and only Superman can fly. Well, I guess there's a few superheroes that can fly. But every single human on the planet has the superpower of love. And in fact, every tree has a superpower of love. And once you really start, you know, radaring in, you know, lasering in, whatever, with your love, you can start seeing that love emanating from trees, from flowers, from everything. I mean, that is the living presence. I mean, this is kind of woo-woo and something like, what is she talking about? But it is really true love is the only reality that is really once you get rid of every block that would keep you from knowing that that's what you find this big interconnection this big love fest that's going on <laughs> like as i said the biggest secret in the world is that we all really love each other so can you give some examples of what the blocks look like Oh, well, every single mental construct that we have is a block. You know, believing, A, that you have to seek for love, that it's something you have to find, that you have to get on Match.com and you have to, you know, find some special person to share it with. I mean, what kind of a crazy notion is that? But again, because this energy that we're going to talk about later forms around our beliefs and expectations, that's what we've, you know, um, condensed love into, this really minute thing that's that's absolutely not true, but if we believe that, if we, you know, if that's our mental construct, that's how it's going to show up for us. The universe is so loving that it's our faithful servant to show us exactly what we're, what we're radiating out. You know, we're all these radiating transmitting towers and the universe is showing us what we're radiating out. So your question was, what are some of the blocks? I mean, there are so many blocks. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. But the good thing is that no matter how far removed you might feel from love, you can never, ever completely put it out. Like, you know, you can extinguish a candle. You can turn off a light. You can do all things, but you can never really get rid of this little, I don't know, it's been called the still small voice within. It's been called, you know, so many different things. But that love is always there no matter what it might look like on the outside or what it might, you know, whatever blocks are keeping it from your awareness. So these metal constructs that you're talking about, they're kind of like the rules that we have. This is the way that I can have love when the fact that we have to seek love instead of that, as you said, we are all here to be love. To be love. I mean, these mental constructs start the moment we're born. I mean, think about it. You're born, the doctors whisk you off and they measure you. How do you measure up to the other babies on your APGAR score? How much do you weigh compared to the other babies? So everything in this you know, this material dimension is all about comparing. It's not about expressing love. And we're taught these rules from the time we're born about this is the way you want to do. You need to work really hard. You need to go to school. You need to get educated. Nobody tells you that if you follow your bliss, that's how you find your love. I mean, that's, that's how you stay in your love because babies are born just radiating love. And then they learn the mental constructs that would say, 
that's not possible or that's not true. And so little by little, we learn to put this big love energy that we are into this tiny little box of mental constructs that says this is the way the world is. And that's what the material world's all about. I think mine, Pam, was go, go take care of stuff, go be successful, go make money, right? And then you can have time for love. And what I've come to learn is that it's about, you know, using my love, being in my heart, love and just, I guess, being love. I haven't used that term for myself, but going to my heart and it's about the love and the connections that I have for me instead of all those external things that, you know, for a long time I was conditioned to. Right. That's a good point. That's another big mental block is that, yeah, you do have to do this first and then you can find love Mm -hmm. because it's, it's just, there's, it's right here every moment. I mean, it is here. This is love. Well, and it, it seems like an easier way to go through life too. If you, if you have that, that love, like I know sometimes before I take action for stuff, I try to get into my heart space and get out of the other stuff that may be, because when I'm grounded in my heart space, when I'm me and I'm, you know, living with my heart space, I, I am able to show up more fluidly, I guess. Right. No, that's so true. That is so true. In fact, you could, if you want to talk about, you know, things in the body, you know, the brain or the, the, yeah, the brain is what creates all the mental constructs and the heart is what, you know, reflects and radiates the love. So, yeah, I mean, that's why meditation's a really good thing for quieting that brain that's always telling us these little crazy stories, like a little hamster wheel telling us, <laughs> you know, this is the way it is. Again, all those mental constructs that we learn, but the heart radiates love. So getting down into your heart before you do anything is always a powerful tool for, you know, moving forward in a way that's, you know, really positive for everyone. But, you know, even if you don't, it's okay. I mean, those are my two magic words. It's okay. I mean, I think we beat ourselves up constantly. Well, I didn't do this right or I didn't do that right. But you know what? It's all okay. Love is going to, love's going to win out, win out in the end, no matter what. I mean, because it's the truth. So, you know, we can do all we want, but eventually that's going to be, you know, what we all figure out who we are and, and what we're here for. So it's not the seven point plan that we have to do perfectly to make it happen. No, in fact, that's another one of those mental constructs. We all believe that if we do these seven steps, in fact, we've been spending so many years seeking, you know, seeking for answers, you know, reading the next book, listening to the next speaker, going to the next conference. Love is right here, right now in this moment. And we can seek all we want, and it's sort of fun to be a seeker. I've been a seeker myself my whole life. But now I'm kind of moving into more of a, a space where I want to be that love at every moment. And I'm not saying I'm totally successful. I often My blocks often block me from seeing the love that I am. But I do know that's my purpose, and I do know that's where I'm happy and, and you know, where I just am radiating, you know, great things. So... So, you know, it's trial and error for me. Um, I, I know everything theoretically. I think we all do. A lot of it's just putting it into practice, you know. So what kind of blocks do you have? Oh, well, like everybody else, I start, you know, thinking crazy thoughts. I mean, anytime you worry, okay, well, here's the big here's the big block I am working on eliminating. And I don't like the word working. Here's the one I'm playing on eliminating is my judgment. Because judgment would indicate that there is something wrong. Again, um, there is nothing wrong. Everything's okay. But if I'm judging and saying, well, I didn't do that well, or I don't know, you know, pick your poison. There's a million judgments we make about ourselves. So 
I am trying, I mean, we just uh, automatically see a person and this judgment may come through. Um, you know, I, but, but mostly I judge myself like, oh, I'm not doing it right or I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the judgment is so pervasive in our mental constructs that um, I'm just, so now what I'm really doing a lot is really trying to observe like, wow, wow, I'm wanting to judge that or I'm wanting to say that's not good <laughs> or, or that's not what I want when actually um, it's exactly what I want because I could create, I created that to, you know, to, to be able to express more love. I mean, I think everything that people have in the past judged as negative is nothing but a, uh, a you know, concentrated form that we're going to love away with this laser superpower of love. I, I, so we all have blocks and instead of, so that judgment that can be kind of armor, right? And it can shut us down from the love that we have inside of us. Isn't that what happens? That's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. We, our armor, as you put it so very well, that's a great way to look at it, is all those mental constructs that we have created to serve as our life. You know, you all heard that big thing about we have there's 400 billion bits of information in every second and that we only are aware of 2,000 bits. I mean, think about, you know, uh, but, but the truth of it is I think it's even more than 400 billion. I think that's just a figure some scientists pulled out. I think it's in, infinite. And, that, I mean, we can't even get our number, our minds around, in you know, in 400 billion, but infinity is so far out there that we can't get our mind about that. But, you know, like it's that connection we have to everything. Like any possibility is possible. So which ones are we going to you know, bring into our life. Those 2,000 are just so minute. That's so small. And that's what we keep repeating over and over and over again instead of letting this bigger thing, this love force flow through us. So if love is so, it's so there. And you talk about from the moment we're born, we're taught to not to, to listen to it, not to be a part of that. Why is that? Um, bad habits. It's not reality at all. It's just a bad habit. And in fact, maybe, and I don't really know the answer to this, but maybe we're just doing this to, you know, to kind of have fun. I mean, everybody loves to go see movies, and it's really fun to watch while the bad guy and the good guy, you know, fight it out, and then you know, hopefully the good guy wins. I mean, I personally don't believe in bad guys and good guys, but, you know, it's kind of fun. It's sort of fun to watch that drama and get all caught up in it. I mean, maybe in a big cosmic sense, that's what we're doing here, creating kind of a little drama that's sort of entertaining. And I think once you start loving it and looking at it as, as entertaining as opposed to investing all your energy into it and worrying so hard about it, I think that it becomes much more entertaining. In fact, that's why loving even the it's really a good thing. Always loving everything is, is the secret to everything. It's so simple. I mean, that's what The Course in Miracles says is that this way of living difficult at all. It's just so different than the way we have been living. And that's why it seems difficult because it's just, it really turns everything upside down. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the new book, E-Cubed, but I had asked Hay House to print the whole thing upside down because I was trying to make the point that almost everything we believe in, everything we're taught is upside down of the way the world really is. They let me print one page upside down. They wouldn't let me do the whole book upside down. But I was trying to make that point, and I think it's a really good point that most all of what we believe, all the mental constructs, pretty much is upside down from how reality really is. Loving. And, and you also have, uh, if, if can I share the secret about what you asked the readers to do? 
Oh, sure. I mean, people have been posting it on Facebook. <laughs> Why not, too? So. so you ask us to rip out a page in the book, right? That probably created a lot of stress for people. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone knows you're not supposed to tear pages out of books. I mean, we've all learned that lesson very well. But then when you turn it over on the other side, it says, excuse me, but it appears to me you have not torn your page out of this book. Um, your mother would be proud. However, this page says nothing that's of any importance to you, but it does illustrate a principle that um, we humans have picked up a lot of stuff that is no longer serving us. So Pam, do you do you spend any energy wor- with worry? Oh yeah, in fact, I did a blog post today about how um you know, I spent the last couple of days being kind of blah. I mean, I woke up today and I am just on fire, happy, feeling joyful, loving. But I spent a couple of days there feeling kind of blah, it's kind of chilly and you know, I was more focused on other stuff instead of focusing on, you know, the truth of who I am. But I got it this morning and I realized how cool that is that I created that because it really is, it's like this big cloud, like pig pen, you know, this cloud around you that blocks everything from coming in. So, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not walking around like Jesus or Buddha or, you know, whoever else they might be. I'm on this path with everybody else. But I mean, the one thing that I really believe is that we're all on this path and we're all starting to get it. And um, it, it really is time to quit looking outside of us for answers and to start really getting it within. So to me, this, this couple of days I had of being kind of blah was actually a great gift. And that's how I see it today. Like, wow, I just got to see how powerful, you know, my energy is and how powerful, you know, it is when you contract and decide to, you know, look at the, look at the sad things instead of the good things. It's a great gift. Same it more. is a great gift. <laughs> and th- so th- this would be about like uh, how it can be a great gift when we're going through difficult times. Well, again, that's a judgment. Difficult okay. times. You know, that is a judgment. What's to say that it's a difficult time? I mean, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Every person on the planet knows exactly what you're talking about. But by naming it difficult, that already sets up a particular energetic field. Like, oh, it's difficult. Well, if you think it's difficult, it will continue to be difficult. In fact, I heard a cool thing once that I really like. It's it's a guy named Phil Parker. He's over in England. Um, I met him at a Hay House conference over there. And he has a phrase he calls doing. And it's not D-O, it's D-U. And what he likes to say is, you know, when you're in a space, like, for example, the two days I was being blah, I would say, I am doing blah. D-U-I-N-G. So it makes it not as a permanent state, like, oh, I'm blah. It's like right now I'm doing blah. I am doing blah. So that's kind of a cool little distinction. You know, it's just like this tweak and you shall find. You know, there's just little tiny things we need to do to kind of, you know, get our energy back exactly where we want it to be. But I think, you know, again, if we want to see it as a challenge, then it can certainly be a challenge, but it can also be kind of an entertaining Thing to observe. So the best thing we can do is to just observe, you know, what's kind of going through our mental landscape and just really look at it with, with great interest, with childlike glee, like, wow, that is so interesting. You know, that is so interesting that I was, you know, laying in bed feeling blah for a couple of days last week. How interesting is that? So, so, you know, that's a lot is just starting to observe it, you know, where you do make the judgments, where you have contracted your energy. And when you do that, does that help you so that you don't get stuck? Like I always say that, you know, 
we we can get stuck. I used to be really good at this. I'd build a, I'd pitch a tent, build a campfire, and invite people around, and you know what pours me and story fondle. And now it's about saying, okay, this is what I'm going through. And with with that difficult times, it's when we go through things that we don't really want to go through. Whether it's we're kind of feeling blah, we're not maybe getting things done that we want to get done. But when we're going through things different than what we would like in that period of time. It's about how can I move through? So part of it, what you're saying is like observing. Oh, isn't this interesting? Here's what's, here's what's happening right now. Yeah, to really see it as an interesting creation of yours. And that also helps you take complete responsibility for creating it. Like I'm really aware that I created these couple days of blah. And I see now why I did and I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, so I think as you claim responsibility and real, because that also helps you realize another one of your superpowers, which superpower of focus, you know, we animate into our lives wherever we place our attention. So, um, you know, I, I want to place my attention on the joy and the love and possibility as opposed to the contraction that I focused it on. But it's really interesting to watch that. And again, once you get to a place where you look at it all with, with just childlike wonder, like, wow, this is so interesting. Look what I'm creating now. Not beating yourself up about it. See, that's what happens. We look at some creation that you would call difficult, to use your terminology, and then we start beating ourselves up about it. We start coming up with seven you know, seven point plan to get rid of it. We call our friends, we join a support group, <laughs> you know, we do everything we can. And then we just become more that way because what, what is now is completely irrelevant other than it's a starting point, And then you start focusing on where you want to be like right now. Um, this is where I am. So you acknowledge that. And then you also realize it's a temporary state. You're doing it right now. You're, you know, doing that. And then you start focusing on what you want on this other state. And then the universe will handle all the things of getting you to that state. But it's important to acknowledge it's like, you know, there's this long spectrum. And, you know, you kind of say, okay, well, this is where I am right now. But don't, like you said, pitch the tent and build a campfire or invite you know, people in to talk about it, bought it in for martinis, as I like to say. I mean, literally, just just look at it. Like, oh, that's really interesting. How how cool is this that I created this? And then start, you know, putting your attention back on that spectrum of where you want to be. So, Pam, let's talk about this in a little bit more concrete because your book is about manifesting, and there's these energy experiments, right? So, for somebody in the in the framework of love, in in romantic love, who may be seeking. Um, and here I'm using that word seeking, but want who, what their order is for the universe is that they want a, to be in a loving relationship. What would you say would be the way to go about doing that? How do you put that into place? You start being in a loving relationship. And by that, I mean, because we're in relationship to everyone. I'm in relationship to the couch that I'm looking at right now. I'm in a relationship with my dog that's scratching her back on the life carpet. So if you want to be in a loving relationship, be in a loving relationship with everything. And this might sound kind of woo-woo or kind of like people don't get it, but that's really the truth. You start focusing on that love you are. And as you begin radiating that love, that truth of who you are, people will be attracted to you. I mean, that's the law of attraction that everybody talks about. We, are, we attract into our lives whatever we're radiating. We are these big transmitting towers. So if you want to... Again, you need to acknowledge first that you already are love. You already have love. There is no 
anybody that can ever take it away from you. And if and, and the relationships that are yours, meant to be yours, will show up in your life very easily once you get over your blocks and you start seeking. Because if you want to be a seeker, you can be a seeker your entire life. And a lot of people like that, and that's kind of fun. You can also be the lover, be the be the person in the in the relationship. So how are you being? I'm being in loving relationship with everything that's around me. And then that certain person, well, actually all kinds of people will come into your life to, to be in love with. I mean, just relationships are why we're here. That's really important. They're everything. So um, as we radiate out, we're going to we're going to draw all kinds of people into our lives. And then, you know, the ones that are meant to be there for a longer time, like possible marriage, have kids. I mean, we'll, we'll have different relationships with them and, and the universe will, will draw it all in. But our only responsibility is to be in relationship with love at all times. Well, and it could one of the blocks be that if we don't think that we're worthy of love and then we're right there blocking love and we're also not having any self-love. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest blocks. We we all believe we're not worthy of love. If only they knew. <laughs> you know, that imposter syndrome that we all have, you know, that somehow we're not good enough. And, you know, people might ask, well, where did that come from? I have no idea where it came from. But I do know that it's not the truth and that there's no reason to focus on it. You know, you can ask why, why, why all you want. But start focusing on what do I want. I want to be more loving. I want to be a loving channel. I want to be in loving relationship with people. Um, I want, you know, and start focusing on that, not on why, why do you create all these blocks? I, mean, I, I don't know exactly why, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, but it's so interesting because it's it's we block or another way, you know, I'm not worthy of love. But if we just love and love ourselves, then right there, we're moving through that, that block, aren't we? Well, there are a million ways to love and there are a million people to love, a million things to love. Um, in fact, the blog I, I did yesterday, I wrote it on Valentine's Day two years ago. And I think I've run it every Valentine's Day. And it's, it's this idea that, okay, like, for example, I tell the story about Matt Harding, and he's the guy, he's the dancing Matt guy that went all over the world and was dancing, got all these people to dance with him. I don't know if you've seen it. It's one of the more popular YouTubes out there. But, you know, he loved that. He loved traveling. He loved going out and meeting all these people. He went out and did that. Another guy I use as an example is this guy who started this website called Wave at the Bus, and he mm-hmm. loved his son. And every day he would dress up in a really funny costume to wave at the son's bus as it went by. I mean, he had a Fred Flintstone costume. He dressed like Marie Antoinette every day for 365 days while his son was going to eighth grade or whatever it was. His son's probably about to graduate now. He would get out in a different costume and wave at him. I mean, how much love is that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like being loving. The point is there's so many different things to love, ways to love. Um, ideas to love. So for us to be moaning and groaning because we, you know, haven't found that one is kind of crazy. Well, and it sounds like it's about the the love that fits you, right? For him standing outside and doing the waving to the bus in these different costumes, that was what being love was for him. Mm-hmm. And being love for you may be different. Being love for me may be different. And that's okay. Oh, yeah. No, it's loving what you're doing. I mean, how fun is that to, you know, dress up in a costume? I mean, he loved that. So he's putting love into whatever he's doing. I mean, if you want love in your life, first of all, acknowledge that what is love? I mean, love is, is what we are. But, but, um, but, yeah, if you start putting love, putting the superpower of love you have into everything that you do, and that means, again, that's observing. Like, if you sit and observe everything you do, like, if you start being in the moment and really looking and observing, you can just feel this love that's coming from you, and it's just 
really cool and fun and it's like it's a great way to live and, and whatever happens it happens to form around it, it almost seems irrelevant when you're living in that space. You know, it's so interesting because what's coming together for me as we're talking about this is that sometimes people get into that state of, oh, once I have this relationship, it's that Jerry Maguire, you complete me, right? But we mm. already have that love inside of us. And so instead of seeking out there of, oh, somebody needs to love me and then I'm now I'm validated or I'm worthy, it's about just being that love, loving yourself, loving, just loving and being in that space because isn't that more, isn't that whether it's sustainable or longer lasting and not meaning that you're going to be married for 40 years, but there's, it's that constant fuel versus when you try to go seek somebody else's love to give to you and you're out there with that energy and it's a graspy energy. And then that's where we get into some of the stories of scarcity. There's, you know. Yeah, that's so true. I just love what you said about fuel. That fuels. I, I can't remember how you said it exactly. You know, I'm big on quotes. If you, you know, all my books I always have these quotes on. But I may just quote you on that because that was really good. Fuels. That's true. Love fuels all the good stuff. I don't even remember how you said it or what you said, but that was good. Thank you, Corin. <laughs> yes. Well, it's 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 recorded, so you can have that. Oh, okay. Okay. I can go listen to it. Yeah. I can hear what you said. <laughs> but no, I and I think and so when we can go back to ourselves and it talking about like seeking, right, and going out and seeking. But we have it within us and it's not – and it's something that, yes, it's great to be in love with somebody else or to have love of a child and it's those are nice moments. But we don't need that, to, I guess, to validate us or to give us that permission that we are okay. Like we yeah, have the love. Yeah, why wait for that? I mean right now we can love whatever it is we're doing. So why would anybody wait to see what eight people pop up in mesh.com or I don't even know quite how that stuff works. But You know, I mean why would we wait – to find the one when we can be loving right now. I mean, why, you know, why wait? It just makes no sense. It's not something that we have to go out and earn. No, no, not at all. In fact, that's one of the huge mental constructs that gets in the way that somehow we have to earn it. That's so untrue. There's not one thing you can do to take the love away. Hitler didn't take the love away from him. Um, idiot mean i mean any bad guy again judgment we can make they still had that river of love within them they weren't activating it they weren't aware of it but it was still there you cannot ever extinguish it i mean it's there it's there and our job now on the planet is to bring up that love more is to activate that love to use these superpowers and really change the world that's how we change the world all right now let's switch over to money Right. Because so I think because I think as the listeners, they can feel really good that I mean, love isn't scarce. We use it as a weapon, but it's really not scarce. It's something that we really have a ton of. Now, on the flip side, you know, there's a ton of beliefs that money is scarcity and you have an experiment about money in your book. And I just loved it and how you had quoted somebody who believed that, you know, making money is easy. And gosh, if we had that as like a cultural belief system, where would we be? Yeah, I just wrote, again, me and my quotes, um, Ted Turner said sometime last week, or sometime, somebody, the world is awash in money. Yeah. Well, I mean, what an what a amazing concept. But yeah. is that the concept that we have? Again, the energy of the universe forms around our beliefs and expectations, and the amount of money in our life is forming around our beliefs and expectations around money. So if you grow up and your parents tell you that money is scarce, you've got to be really careful what you buy, what you do. 
Well, of course, money, which is just energy, is going to show up exactly how you believe it. I mean, that's really the honest truth. I mean, you know, who works harder, Donald Trump or, you know, somebody that slaves away at a minimum wage job? I mean, the truth is money has nothing to do with how hard you work. It has to do with your energetic imprint and what you believe is possible, what you believe, um, you know, you, you deserve. And in fact, in some ways, money and love are kind of similar, <laughs> you know. It's all energy. Everything's energy. And it shows up according to our beliefs and expectations. What are your beliefs about money? You know, I went through a bit of, I've always believed that money came to me pretty easily, but I also believed that only so much would come to me. I mean, I kind of, I think I had a little bit of a block on it. And um, as I became more and more happy and more and more grateful for all the world's abundance, because see, that's the secret to becoming wealthy, so to speak, is to start being aware of all the abundance, like starting to be aware of all the love. And as I did that, I mean, my financial situation is much different than it used to be, but I always believed that I would have enough. I always believed I was provided for. And so that was my, I mean, I haven't had a job. I mean, everybody believes, oh, you know, that, in fact, that's the biggest mental construct. You've got to have a job and you've got to do this to, to get money. I mean, everybody believes that. But in my life, that's not what I did. I worked for a while, but I haven't had a job in, I don't know, in 30 years maybe. I, I don't keep good track of time, but I haven't had a job for a really, really long time. You know, my job is out there to, to, to express myself to love, and um, then the money will show up around it. So, so I don't know. That's a huge mental construct people have about this whole money thing. And they also believe if you don't have a job, you won't have money. And if you don't, well, I don't know, just you could look at any one of your beliefs about money. I mean, they're, they go on and on and on. We believe that it's scarce. It's not scarce. It's ev- money's everywhere. I mean, there is so much money out there. And money is just something we print. It's just a mental construct that governments come up with. But if you look at the abundance, I mean, see, that's the thing to get in touch with, the abundance of the universe. I mean, you go out and look in a square foot of your lawn, you can't even count the blades of grass that are on there. Or look at the leaves on a tree. You can't even count how many leaves are on a tree. I mean, abundance is everywhere. But we choose to focus on what we don't have, on what's not there. So, and and really, energy is really just going to form around whatever you believe. And the truth is, we do get pick up a lot of stuff from our family, from our culture about, you know, the state of money. And right now, there's a lot of lack consciousness and fear and different things like that going on. But, you know, with our love power, we can change that. And that's what I'm all about. I want everybody to have everything. And I think that's very possible. But if that trips up a thing and you go, how can everybody have everything? That just shows a mental construct that that we're all living from. And so what can be things that can help people, like especially if they have a belief that money doesn't happen to people like me or – uh, it's just really hard work to make money, right? All those different stories that people can have and the listeners can have, how do they move through that? Um, again, it goes back to focusing on abundance, focusing on, pick little things um, that you could do. Like, for example, the sun came up this morning. The sun provides light. The sun provides energy. Did you have to do one thing for that sun to come up? No, not one thing. It just happened. Um, Your heart continues to beat, pumping blood through your body. Um, 
all these things are working out. And when you just start focusing on more what is working out instead of focusing on what isn't working out, then you begin to see that that particular reality manifesting in your life. So really, gratitude, it all comes down to gratitude and changing your focus. And, you know, when you start, I mean, wherever you are right now, whatever each person is right now, start thinking of something you can be grateful for. Um, and, and look, observe those beliefs you have about money, you know, that money is limited and hard to come by, um, that only certain people have money, or that money is evil. I mean, there is so much baggage around money. It just goes on and on and on, the beliefs people have about money, that it's the most important thing. I mean, it's totally not important, but um, everybody, you know, wants to think it is. And, and they think it's worth um, sacrificing their integrity and their love to get it. I mean, it's kind of crazy all the beliefs we have about money. <laughs> yes, if you make a lot of money, then you must be an evil person. <laughs> right, right. So this is what this is what I believe, uh, Pam, is that you know, um, like these these negative thoughts that we have, or these contract, you know, these mental constructs that we have, or the blocks that we have about money, is kind of like. Um, it's it's like that room in the house that somebody will keep throwing stuff into, throwing stuff into, but keeping the door shut because they don't really want to go in there and see, you know, the mess that's growing. And then one day you open it up and some people want to just keep the door shut and keep walking by it. And they know what's behind that door, but it's so overwhelming. I think a lot of times it's good to just open up that door and go, okay, what is in here? Maybe, and maybe that maybe the whole room is too overwhelming. Maybe you just start with a shelf and you kind of clean it up. But then that can kind of remove some of the blocks. And that's when you, as you're talking, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, it's about acknowledging that you have these beliefs, these mental constructs, these pro, this programming that has occurred. We don't need to go into why or point fingers and blame different things, but just, oh, here's a belief I have. You know, it doesn't serve me and just push it, you know, be aware of it kind of can maybe let it go, I guess. It's kind of like when you open that door and you're like, hey, I'm willing to do some work on this clutter. I can let, I can now send some stuff off. I can throw some stuff into the trash. I can make donations instead of keeping that door shut. And every time you walk by, your heart is heavy because you know what's behind that door. Right, exactly. And that goes back to that observing it too, you know, because if you observe it, then you're acknowledging it, you know, you're, you're recognizing it. But then to kind of go, wow, isn't that funny that I would believe that in a world this abundant? How could I believe that, you know, that making money is hard or that, you know, that I won't be provided for? How, how could that? So if you look at it, so that's, yes, opening that door, let it, let the light shine on all the junk, all the mental constructs that we have and knowing that it's okay. It's okay to have those beliefs. It's also okay to choose different beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting because, um, I used to have this money story that money doesn't happen to people like us just because of my family of origin stuff. And, um, and then, but that's never been my story as an adult. I've always been good at making money. I'm good with money. And, and I remember some years ago, I had all of a sudden that old belief came back and, and I looked at it and I questioned and I said, wait a second, that may have been my parents' money story, but that's never been my money story. You know, I've, there's, I've always had enough or more than enough to take care of me. And so, but I'm holding on to my parents' st- story and their circumstances as, as it's mine and it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that even like with the news or with somebody's, you know, personal story that we know about. 
and then and grab onto that. And that can create the fear, which then gets us into scarcity mode and becomes really graspy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so, that's so true. And I, I feel the same way, you know. I guess with my parents, I had one that kind of believed like I do that, you know, everything always works out. And then I had one that kind of believed we needed to really be careful about money and we need to worry and whatnot. So, um, so I suppose I have both parts of those in me to a certain degree, but it's never, you know, that I needed to worry thing never, never really played out into fruition. I mean, I've created, you know, lack from time to time, but again, it's kind of an interesting drama to create and kind of, you know, kind of fun to to look at if you see it that way, as opposed to, oh my God, this is so horrible. What am I going to do? You know, just kind of see it as, well, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and and the other side is the cost to you, right? Because if we're like, oh my God, this is so horrible. That's so heavy on us versus, wow, this is interesting. I have this, you know, isn't this fascinating? Isn't this, you know, amazing or whatever? And and the, the energy is lighter. And then we may actually be able to look through of, okay, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to create? Instead of being stuck in that little pity party that we could have. Right, exactly. All right. So and how does energy tie into both this love and money? Well, energy is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world... Again, the universe will form, crystallize around our beliefs and expectations. So how money shows up is, again, forming around your beliefs and expectations through energy. Same with relationships. So every time we look at something, you know, it's called the observer effect in quantum physics, we're actually affecting that thing. So energy, I suppose, is that unseen radiance or that unseen thing that really is causing all this stuff to happen, to cause all the things to form around our beliefs and expectations. So energy is is big. I mean, energy is the, I don't know, end-all, be-all. And it's really important to um, use your energy in the most positive way possible. And again, that's a judgment, you know, the word positive. But to use it in the most beneficial for you way, I guess that might be a better way to say it. And so can you give some examples about that? About energy? About how to use it in a way that that, re, yeah. that serves us. Okay, well, if we wake up in a positive energy, feeling good and excited, and oh, what's going to happen today, then any possibility could, could come our way. If we wake up, oh, the same old, same old. See, here's what happens. We get up, we turn off the alarm with the exact same finger that we've always turned it off with. We shuffle off to the bathroom the exact same way we've always done it. We just keep repeating the same old, same old. We come home, we go to work, drive the same route, come home, watch the same shows, watch, you know, eat the same dinner, you know, get up and do it all over again. So if you wake up in this feeling of expectancy and excitement, and you know, I'm kind of famous now for my little phrase, something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. If you go out there with that idea, then this energy can form new and exciting things. And in fact, this energy is wanting to create new and exciting things. That's why we're here. That's one of the reasons we are here is to create new and exciting things, to create the good, the holy, and the beautiful. That's what we're meant to be doing. But instead, we've kind of taken a little detour and we've decided to create doom and gloom and lack and limitation. (laughs) (laughs) So what would be an example of creating new and exciting things? Well, um, I believe that every person 
is a creator and that there are so many beautiful things that we all need to see. I mean, I think every, well, everybody is a creator, whether they acknowledge it or not, because they're creating their reality with their thoughts and their energy. Um, but a new and exciting creation, I mean, I think to be open to that river of life, you know, this energetic force of love. See, I think part of the thing, we're talking about using all these different terminology, but, you know, I call it the field of infinite potentiality, so we, I guess we can just call it that. But to let that stream forth through you and to let yourself surrender to letting it have its way with you. So, like, who knows, your thing that's new and exciting might be to write a, a TV series. It might be to... Um, you know, start a foundation for girls that, you know, have been sex trafficked. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, who knows what it might be, but there's something that all of us are meant to do. And it may not just be one thing. We're all meant to be radiating this love and joy, all of us, all the time. And um, as we get in touch with that, as we let it flow through us, you know, again, getting rid of those blocks, then we will be shown what we're going to create and what we're going to you know, what's going to pour forth through us. But because it's so exciting, the possibilities, so I don't know, to me, a lot of it comes down to being, you know, creativity and, and, and that sort of a thing, you know, creating something new and beautiful. So I have a question, like with expectations and, you know, this idea of managing expectations. So people who, out the, who dream and have all these ideas, but then the expectations don't come. What do you say to that? Um... Well, I would say they did come because they came because that was what they expected. They believed that that was an impossible thing or that 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 they couldn't do it or that it was too scary or or that they weren't worthy. Mm-hmm. So it did come exactly what they created in their mind, in their space did come. And the sooner that we can acknowledge that what we're seeing is what we have paved the way for um, then we can sort of take more ownership of what's showing up in our life and then we can, you know, more quickly change it as opposed to um, what was meaning it. So, for instance, if somebody has a goal of saying, I'm going to make X amount of dollars this year, and they may publicly say that, they may write it down, but if they don't really believe it on the inside, what will show up may be different than that goal that's written down, but it's really about what's it's in line with what they truly believe on the inside. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Again, there's, you know, if, if that 400 billion bits of information is true, think about it. Are all 400 billion bits of information going in the direction you want them to go, you know, with this mm-hmm. new creation? Or are some of them, um, you know, like older people when they, you know, they're, their, their eyebrows, a little hair from their eyebrow will stick out funny. I, I don't know why I thought that idea, but you know, <laughs> things will start going all these different directions. So our energy is going all over the place. I think I said in my book, it was like, um, you know, lightning bugs in a glass jar, you know, just our energy is going every which way. When we get it really focused on love, on joy, on peace, on that, then it everything works out smoothly and easily. Um, so, so yeah, so I would argue that no matter what is showing up, it is showing up exactly how you're sending out, I mean, to the exact T. And, um, I also believe, cause sometimes people go, well, what about, you know, the kids that are born disabled or whatever? Like, what do you say about that? I believe there's a, you know, again, this bigger force, this bigger thing. And we don't even understand sometimes what our mission is. We know it's to love, to put love into whatever it is. But that, um, 
is that, you know, that we may have made some of these decisions of what we're creating before we came onto this physical plane, because this physical plane is just a blip. I mean, it's just a, a blip as to the, you know, the bigger quantum playground and, you know, what we're going to be, um, you know, I mean, we, we don't ever die. We don't, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So, um, anyway, I think I'm getting off track. <laughs> what was your question again? It, um, it was about... I don't even know what my question was, but <laughs> I love this idea about focusing on joy and love and peace, right? And, and, and uh, where we can get distracted. Oh, I know what it was. It was the goal. So when we, somebody says, I'm going to make X, and then they make less than that. And so then it's about revisiting and being that observer of, oh, okay, this is what my goal was. This is the reality of what occurred. So maybe I need to look at what, what, what are, what, what is blocking me and so that I can acknowledge that, that here it is. And what do I believe is true? Because a lot of times aren't the things that we, be, that is blocking us are lies that we believe. Yeah, they're always lies. Mm-hmm. They're always lies. And so that's why it's exciting when they show up. And if you start looking at them with childlike glee, it's like, wow, that's interesting. I sort of believe that I need to have a bill collector pounding on my door right now. <laughs> wow. I sort of believe that, um, you know, I don't have an, that I didn't make my X, Y, Z, whatever. And, and to start looking at it and just kind of, instead of like, you know, thrashing your head against the wall, which we so often do, we get so upset because it didn't happen. It's just to kind of look at it and go, wow, that's, that's how I see this. And to really look at it with great interest, just to observe it, not get upset about it and just realize that's what you've got now. And, you know, what, what else, what else could you do? <laughs> what else? Mm-hmm. And can't gratitude help with that idea of scarcity? Gratitude is everything. Gratitude is, you know, I, I don't know if you ever read my blog, but I've got that little series. I do why I'm the luckiest person on the planet. Now I've got part one, part two, episode three, episode four, whatever it is. You know, so things, because I feel so grateful. And because of that, things, I get more and more things to be grateful for. Um, you can start looking for problems and you can train yourself to have problems or you can train yourself, your mind and what you're out seeking or what you're out looking for, expecting, believing um, that you're going to have love and joy and peace. And that's what you're going to see. I mean, whatever you choose to animate, to put your attention on, that's what you're going to animate into your life. So do you have a couple of takeaways for the listeners today? Takeaways. Um, well, first of all, it's a lot simpler than everybody wants to make it out to be. So that's just right there. If you go, you know, this is easy. This is easy. You know, go out. Okay, here's my takeaway. Go out to Staples and get yourself one of those little, um, that was easy buttons, those little red buttons, and push it every morning. That was easy. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I think you can order them online. You know what I'm talking about, those little red buttons. That was easy. Here, I've, I've got mine. I'll play it. Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. Everybody ready? Here it is. That was easy. You hear that? <laughs> I need that button because yeah. I have this belief that value comes from working really hard. And 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 what if it could just be easy? And so I wrote I wrote this about it in my newsletter last week of what if it could be easy? You know, what if you could do great work and it could be easy? And just the energy to to for that, just like all of a sudden, all this energy that I was putting into being hard and difficult and weighing me down, it was like, oh, I kind of wet melted away. And so that's been my constant reminder of what if it could be easy? 
I just ask myself that. No, that what if question is a really powerful thing. Like we were talking earlier about what do you want to create? Well, what if? I mean, that's, that's a good thing to ask. What if? And, um, and, and, and your belief, too, that it has to be hard is a very, very common belief. I think mm-hmm. pretty much all of us think of that from time to time. But so anyway, but if, if we really got it to think of easy. And when I say easy, like for me, my life is easy, but I'm doing what I love to do. So, and that's not to say I don't necessarily work hard, what someone might judge as working mm-hmm. hard, but I, it's, but I love it. So it seems easy mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just loving it. It's fun. Okay. Another takeaway. Okay. The easy button. Let's see. Um, well, we, we've talked about gratitude mm-hmm. and so, um, to just really focus on gratitude. I, I probably told you my little two-step program last time we talked. Did I, my AA 2.0 program? Did I tell you that one? I could give that as a takeaway. Okay. Give that one as a takeaway. Okay. I mean, I don't, I can't remember if I told you or not. I've had so many interviews. It's hard to remember who I told what, but, um, and I think it's in my book too, but, um, you know, I get up every morning, my, it's AA 2.0. So the, it's smooth and easy. The first step is I get up and say something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. That's step one. Step two is I text three blessings to my power posse. I've got five friends that I call my power posse and I text them three blessings of something I'm grateful for. The only rule is it has to be different than what I was grateful for yesterday. So I'm out there looking for blessings and miracles. I'm Lewis and Lewis and Clark out there scouting for blessings and miracles. So that's another one that's kind of easy and it kind of puts you in that resonance, that vibration of um, gratitude. All right. I like that. Well, Pam, thank you so much for being a guest today. It was good to have you back. Yeah, thanks, Corey. And I'm sorry if I was a little out there. I mean, I'm just, you know, flying around today. So <laughs> hopefully it all made sense to people. And if not, hopefully it will one of these days. It, I think it will. And you were a very popular guest last, last time and helped a lot of people. So I think this will just further, you know, the information that people are out there looking for. So thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. So some key takeaways that I had from this interview with Pam was one, you don't have to earn love. Love is there. You are love and practice loving yourself. The love that we want from others, practice giving it to yourself right now. That's something that we all have and it will come up and it will trigger the stories that we're not worthy. We're not good enough. We haven't done this. We haven't earned it. But then to remind ourselves that we don't have to do any of that. We can just be love. And so you are love. You don't have to earn love. I, and I also want to think about the transactional relationship is that, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, this transactional relationship where we go to Starbucks, we put in our order and we get what we want. And what I talked about with her, especially with that money goal was if we go and we put in that order, but we don't have a belief we're going to actually have it or be worthy of it or whatever may be the blocks, we're not going to get it. So being, you know, letting go of the transactional relationship and just being, letting go of the outcome. I mean, that's one of the things that w- seems to work really well for me is that when I do set goals, I tend to put it up on the top corner of that bookshelf that I don't look at very often. It's there. I know it's there. And it's just a way for me not to get in my own way and to create these own blocks that I have. Um, so that's one way that's effective. Sometimes it's about noticing, like letting those blocks, like that closet or that room that can be the catch-all place of going through and cleaning that out and saying, oh, here's some stuff that I have. I no longer need this. It doesn't serve me anymore, right? So sometimes I use the bookshelf. Sometimes I use that spare room that can be the catch-all. 
And so sometimes with the, the bookshelf, it's just about, oh, here's my goal. This is what I'd like. I'm putting it up there. And, and I'm not worrying about, um, is it going to happen? Will it happen? Am I good enough or any of that? And it's about letting go of that energy and focusing on, okay, I have this. This is what I want. I'm going to put it out there and I'll see what will happen. You know, what if it could happen? What, what if it could be easy? What if it could happen? And I don't have to spend a whole lot of time or energy with that versus, oh my God, it's not possible. Am I good enough? Am I doing all this stuff that can really be draining? And so one of the other things that came up when I was talking with Pam that I thought about was a great question is what's the cost to you, right? When we have to work so hard at something or have all this worry or anxiety with the space that can be really in this negative area, what's the cost to you? And what if you can just play with it or have more fun with it or sit there as an observer, what's the cost at that point to you? And then looking at what is the work that's happening? What is maybe the outcome later on? And so that's about circling back and taking a look at, okay, here's something that I tried and doing a little experiment when I worry in love or money, what happens when I let go of worry in love or money? What happens? And that's the circling back as an observer to see what happens, what works best for you. Um, and I love this idea about gratitude, but we can, I find like a lot of my clients can get into that transactional relationship with gratitude. And I've done it too. It's like, oh my gosh, I've been practicing gratitude. Why is this happening to me? Gratitude isn't a transactional relationship. It is just nice to practice gratitude. It feels good. The cost to us is a lot less than when I'm a negative Nelly. So letting go of that, but like practicing that gratitude and reflecting about, okay, these are the things that are going great in my life right now, or these are the things that I really appreciate and really acknowledging that instead of what I used to do years ago of, I would go through and then when I finally lost it or didn't have it, be like, wow, I didn't appreciate it. You know, I was so future focused or past focused or in my own worry in my, you know, in that by that campfire, just trying to get people to come and sit with me to prove to them how horrible it was that I wasn't even appreciating the things that were great. So gratitude is everything. I so believe that it's not a transactional relationship. Practice it. And there you like, and she talked about, about the cosmic things and how other things affect stuff. So we just don't really know why we go through certain situations, but the more that we can observe, because then in the end, what is the cost to us? And I, um, like her, you know, her blog post of, you know, why she's the luckiest person on the planet. Like if we can get into that mindset, what would our lives be like? I ask you that. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And oh my gosh, I had just been so appreciative of the iTunes reviews that I have been seeing. Thank you. I want to give a couple shout outs. One is to Steph Jack 1001 who wrote, I've been listening to the show for a couple of years and love it. The guests are always inspiring and have thoughtful insights about living life. And Corinne asks great questions that get at what I really want to find out. Thank you. Thanks, Steph, so much for that. Um, I appreciate the feedback. And then here's another one from... Dear Brooke, I fall in love with Corinne and how she really does it. Her conversational pieces and guests run the gamut of some of the most important pieces to so many of our lives. Whether you want to tune into your inner possibilities, because more healthful, become more healthful, grow a business, or gain insight about life and family, this is the spot. Her guests never cease to amaze me with their authenticity and wisdom. Corinne is a master. Great questions, warmth, and again, authentic. Love, love, love it. Thank you so much, dear Brooke. 
this is my passion project. I really, really love it. It's about the possibilities, right? This is the space where possibilities and inspiration meet. And, and so like with Pam talking about what do we want to focus on looking forward instead of living in that swampland and having that pity party? Like I used to live there. I had that tent pitched. I had that campfire just going and I just kept inviting people. But all that did was have me sit around the campfire. And that's why the show is so important for me is that there are so many possibilities out there. It can be overwhelming. And like Pam said earlier, but how can we get, stay focused? How can we focus our energy to really maximize the results that we want? And that can sound kind of outcome driven, but it's the result that we want about being in this place of love, being love. I mean, that is really ultimately what it's about, isn't it? So if you have feedback for the show, go to iTunes, drop some, you know, uh, write a review on there, send me the emails. Emails have been coming in. Uh, about really liking the friendship series that, or the friendship inter- uh, conversation I had with Jen Loudon. It's been really heartfelt for a lot of people, really drove home. And so thank you so much for connecting, for reaching out. And because uh, sometimes when you're sitting behind the mic, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so often it's about me letting go. Take care. On a lane.